Happy, happy day, my fabulous vibers. Welcome back to my podcast where I believe that every woman deserves the freedom to craft the life she wants and the guts to go after it. We will share stories, facts, and opinions on various aspects of life to give you that kick in the ass to light you up and spread killer vibes every day, 24-7. Super excited about our episode today. Today's episode is sponsored by health and beauty wellness expert, Natalia Castile. Natalia Castile has been in the management and spa industry for over 20 years. She's the owner She was the owner of a small medical practice specializing in therapeutic massages for breast cancer patients. Natalia has received continuing education and extensive training in skincare products, procedures, and customer service. She has attended Cool Sculpting University, don't forget, for advanced sculpting training, and she's a member of the Society of Plastic Surgical Skin Care Specialists. She's bilingual, and I love her, and she's my go-to for all my skincare needs. If you want to reach her, you can reach her at natalie at mybeautifulbody.com. You can also find her on Instagram at Natalia Skincare Specialist. You will not regret it. I have gone to her for my microdermabrasion, my dermaplaning, and all of my skincare needs. Don't miss her. Find her online or you can also contact her at 713-354-5124. Today we have our special guest, someone who's with me all the time because you all love him and I always get the most comments from everybody wanting to get more of him because he kind of lets it lets it all out and gives it to you guys straight up right so Rusk and I today are going to be talking a little bit about well not a little bit maybe a lot because I know I know you I always this have is, a lot to say yeah this is one of your passion projects and yep. something you really really love right we're going to be taking you guys along with us on some of the most romantic wine getaways yeah. for couples. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna chime in on the wine getaways that most people don't know about. I'll let Alicia handle the romantic side. <laughs> You're not romantic. <laughs> I am not all about the romantic. <laughs> well, you do take me to beautiful places, so that I is do. romantic. That is a form of romanticism. You're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why not, honey? Yeah. You are romantic. All right. I'll, okay. <laughs> <laughs> take yeah, it. You put it You're like, way. I'll take it. Yeah. So there's nothing better than exploring new and romantic places with the one that you love, especially if it includes wine. Rusk and I started drinking wine. I think the first time we started really drinking was maybe in 2004. I think we were maybe a year in yeah, married. Two, no, three years married. I remember. Then, I remember the bottle. It was at Brownstone Restaurant, which mm-hmm. doesn't exist anymore. But back then, it was a legendary steakhouse in- institution, and yeah, and uh, it was a 1997 Stags Leap Napa Valley 100% Merlot. Yeah, was- and, and back then we didn't like wine; we weren't into it. We always bought the very inexpensive, mm-hmm. simple wines, as you would say. Well, you know what? I didn't grow up with wine. My parents right. never drank wine. My mom doesn't drink number one, and yeah. my dad only drinks really beer. Right. He started getting into wine when I started giving right. him some wine. Right, and so I didn't like it either. My parents drank it all the time, and when I was a teenager, I was, I was you know sneaking a drink when I was sixteen or seventeen. Thought it was the most disgusting thing ever, and here I am, you know, thirty years later, getting certifications in it so it's i know isn't it amazing yeah it's kind of weird how the world world turns out yeah and i don't know that we knew so much about it back then but i think we were hooked yeah we I were, think we no, were that hooked. Bottle was hooked because that, i yeah. remember that waiter he was armenian and i said the only thing about wine is it's like the, you know choose something that you recommend and he picked it out and since then it's, the rest has been history 
You know, and I think if, if one thing we did develop along the way um, was a love for wine and we developed that together because we really didn't know anything about it. We really weren't into it back uh, when we first got married. It wasn't something like we went on a date and we went, you know, wine tasting on a date. We didn't know anything about it. So I think it was really cool how we just kind of got hooked on it at the same time. And then little by little, we would go out for dinner and you would, you know, um, Either we would either ask the waiter for a suggestion or we would find something that we studied or we yeah. learned from because you're very big about finding things on your you know departures magazines right. and then you started reading the economist and you yeah. found someone in the economist that would rec- make recommendations and then little by little we was, started gaining some knowledge times. it was Jancis roberts i was in the financial, the financial times. times she's a she's a journalist for the financial times on saturdays and she is the first master of wine in the world uh, whenever that became uh, you know, mm-hmm. something that you can actually get a license in or degree in. And, and so that was, uh, and that's when I kind of really started getting into the details more than just drinking it, trying yeah. to understand the entire process from A to Z. That's great. I love it because I get to partake in your right. in your research. On the fruitions of my labor. <laughs> I sure do. <laughs> oh, I'm the first one there. Yeah. So, you know, we've been through some really, really amazing places along the way. I think um, people who know us and have listened to our podcast know that you and I have been traveling around the world for 20 plus years now. Um, it's been something that we really make a commitment to no matter what. Even through COVID, we just, um, you can't stop us. The minute those airports ports were open we were on a plane and I think it's because you know from the very beginning we made a commitment to each other that whatever we did whatever our lifestyle would be we would always make time for travel and exploration and you know we're both very curious people and we love that and we really do um, enjoy taking little trips that are not only just uh, you know for culture but also romantic like a wine country Um, we have a few places that we want to share with you guys we've gone through the hills of Portugal we have gone through the vineyards of Tuscany We have gone through the small plane from Buenos Aires to Mendoza, Argentina. So we're going to talk to you guys about Portugal. We're going to talk to you about Italy, um, the wines of Argentina. Russ will give you guys a few um, suggestions on what to try when you're out there. Um, You know, trips coming up for 2021. What are the trends? The trends are for us to share experiences and I don't think there's anything better than sharing a really great experience with wine with the person that you love so let's get to it you know sometimes you know we head out for anniversaries we head out for breakfast uh, on your birthday hey nobody said you can't have wine for breakfast Uh, weddings all sorts of things and you just want to snuggle up and be you know maybe next to a fireplace with a little glass of wine yum 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 so I think a lot of I think when most people think of wine, they think of Napa, they think of Willamette in Oregon, and some of you may even be familiar with the wine regions that are actually older than the one in Oregon is Columbia Gorge and Yakima in Washington. Even though they border each other, they're actually very different grape varietals. Mm -hmm. But everyone knows about Napa and Sonoma, and that's where everyone goes to. That's a very commercialized place. Yeah. They've they've struck, you know, riches out there, and they're making good stuff. But I think it's become a little too commercialized. I think the original uh, founding fathers of Napa Valley have all kind of moved on or passed away, and now it's turned into corporate boardrooms. And... It's about the bottom line and the profit. And I think there's a lot more to the wine world or even in this part of the hemisphere than than simply Napa Valley. 
you know, for example, Napa used to make, you know, Cabernets and Merlots and they still do, but they used to age them for years. And that's kind of what brought them, you know, their reputation and their uh, pricing point and their quality. But now, but now it's the bottom line. So they're taking these big, bold grapes and they're having to make them sell them, push them out the door faster. And they're, the quality is just not there. My personal opinion. Yeah. So I think in this, and I think I think something that most people should consider if you want to hit that same kind of climate and region. Okay. And also very similar great varietals that are grown in Napa, Valle de Guadalupe, just south of San Diego. Yes. In Mexico, in the Baja Peninsula yes. area. I'm so grateful we're starting with that one because right. that is one of my favorites. That is a very underrated place. It is developing in terms of its wine industry infrastructure. There's still dirt roads out there. You know, there's no airport. You do have to fly to San Diego. Yeah. But, you know, these resorts are, you know, they're they're pushing on the marketing side. They're trying to get people to come out there and try their product. They have reeled in some very famous uh, French winemakers from France to, you know, to improve their quality. And Lisa and I were there and we had an amazing time. It's definitely a hidden gem. It you definitely do, is. And it's actually closer from L.A. to Valley de Guadalupe than it is from L.A. to Napa Valley. But you oh, can, good point. So you can easily fly into San Diego, and mm -hmm. it's about a 90-minute drive. And if you don't want the hassle of renting a car and, you know, going through all that whole if process. If you want to be a little more bougie. You want to go more bougie, you reach out to the resort, and some of the res these, you know, mom-and-pop resorts are sending a shuttle to pick you up. Yeah. So yeah. it's kind of the same experience as going to find a San Francisco and renting one of those limos. And yeah. And through the limousine, you, you drive out to Napa, and then uh, – and then you do the whole tour thing. But, you know, that's kind of, I don't know, to me, that's cliche. That's that Everyone's already done so that. So that's why it's, it's important for us to do this podcast. Right. We want to give everybody the alternative to doing the cliche touristic right. thing. Because I think a lot of people assume you have to go with a tour. They assume, well, I don't know what I'm doing. It honestly just takes a few hours of your day right. to research a little bit right. look into where you're going um i know when we were heading out that you know down there we looked at the different hotels we um hit up the little boutique hotels because right. obviously they really are not that developed yes. but the ones we found were little houses yes. so let me just put it in perspective for everyone it is arid it is dry Picture a little bit of Arizona. Picture a little bit of the desert. Right. Um, very northern Mexico. Very Baja. I mean, yeah, you could probably get to the beach, but it's not that close. Right. Um, you have to really center yourself around being. It's the Nora Desert. Yeah, in the desert. Right. Um, but the sunsets are beautiful. Right. You can definitely do a really right. beautiful romantic photo shoot. I know Russ loves those photo shoots with me. He just cannot I, get enough I, of those photo shoots. I have turned into the husband. <laughs> sometimes I'm not sarcastic at all. Sometimes, uh, you know. Yeah. No, and it takes. Yeah, no, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So definitely, we just yeah, and so, so we research a little bit right. where we're going to be heading in terms of what wineries right. we're going to be hitting up. Do not, do not. If you go online or you hit social media, do not be deterred by necessarily the restaurants or the appearance uh, yes. of the hotels or the resorts or the uh, restaurants. You know, it's the old adage: don't judge a book by its cover. The food is amazing, and the wines are even better. They're underrated. They're up and coming. 
coming. And if you go there now, you're going to catch it before 10, 15 years before maybe commercialized and industrialized. Uh-huh. And you're kind of you're, you're going to catch it when it's quaint, it's charming. You know, it has a whole kind of romantic feel out there. It's just different. It's just a different kind of experience. It is very cool and very. And the very, wines are fantastic, and I'm very picky about what I drink and what uh-huh. I choose, and the producers that I select. And I can I can tell you that it's it's definitely a high quality production mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. wine region out there. Yeah, and super beautiful, very romantic. You'll find um, very cool places that you will definitely definitely right. enjoy and absolutely romantic i mean like i said you know it's it's up and coming they're really catering to the younger generation to the younger uh, millennial group but i can tell you that those of us who are gen xers really enjoyed it as well and really found it to be just a very very amazing experience and on my blog i will be sharing with you guys some of those wineries that we visited so that you have a nice um, list before you head out and I'm definitely recommending these. And then we will also be including some of the wines that we definitely enjoyed while we were in Valle de Guadalupe, Mexico. So heading, heading further down South in the same hemisphere. Okay. uh, Argentina. I feel like you're taking me like on a little car ride, honey. It is, but it's, this is going to take a little more of a car car ride. ride. It's a little far. We can't do the motorcycle diaries. No, we're not doing the motorcycles. (laughs) We're going to take a couple months to get there. Yeah. And so we're heading down to Mendoza, Argentina, which was a place we were at in 2007. And let me just reiterate that. Rusk and I go to these places on our own. We have two kids and they are so ultra bored if they were to come with us. I mean, yeah. maybe they could come with us and but honestly they're just so bored it's not even a place for them. Right. So like I said, romantic. Take right. your honey with you. It is. It's very romantic and it's actually probably easier to fly into Santiago, Chile and take a little hopper to Mendoza. It's literally 20 minutes as opposed to a 90 minute flight from Buenos Aires. But if you want the whole Argentinian experience, you know, they're known for their cattle industry. Mm -hmm. Uh, The food industry is huge in Argentina. It's extremely cheap, at least it was back then. And I just talked to somebody in one of my wine classes, it was just in Argentina two years ago and they were still saying how inexpensive it was. That's awesome. But, Either way, you could fly into Santiago. Chile is also another major wine region with some phenomenal wines. Or you can do Argentina, fly to Mendoza. But here's the trick, is that we all think of Argentina as Malbec. And Malbec is what Argentinians sell to Americans. And I don't know, some of you, whether you love Malbec or you hate it, nobody kind of likes it in between. It goes well with spicy foods. It's a very dark, heavy, bold, highly tannic wines with Mm -hmm. dark... Uh, with black fruit flavors, mm-hmm. a lot of tannin, a lot of acid. And it's not for everyone. It's not for the faint of heart. But what the Argentinians or the Mendozians actually do mm-hmm. better, that's the hidden secret, is they do Cabernet Sauvignon. Oh. So when you go down to Buenos Aires and you get to one of their famous steakhouses and you ask for the wine list, you will rarely see Malbec on the list. I remember this back in 07. Yeah. It was full of Cabernet Sauvignon. And that's their hidden secret is they don't send that stuff because obviously in California and, and in Washington and in British Columbia, Cabernet Sauvignon kind of rules the roost in the United States. Mm-hmm. So it, it ha- they have a hard time penetrating the American market. They do Cabernet Sauvignon better down there than they do Malbec. And the climate conditions and the growing conditions in terroir is actually more suitable oh. for Cabernet Sauvignon. But if you actually have some time, there are a couple of wine regions outside of Malbec. One is Salta, which makes great 
white Torontes wine, and it's about a two and a half hour drive. Or you can visit uh, Uko Valley or Luhan de Cuyo, which is also in the Mendoza region, and they do uh, Pinot Noirs and Merlots in that particular region, which is kind of rare. To, it's hard to find a, a Pinot Noir in a very dry climate, a very desert climate. Yeah. So let me set the stage for those of you that are traveling with your honeys and your partners. You will find that in Argentina, it's a very cosmopolitan country. It's very modernized. Um, you do have the outskirts, the countryside, where you can enjoy an asada. You can enjoy... Um, music, you know, the gaucho community, the gaucho culture out there. But if you head out a little bit more into the wine region, you will find that it's very romantic. It's beautiful. It's also um, developing into a world class region. They've really been coming in. Investors are coming in hot, you know, trying to capture a little bit of that um, essence of what is Mendoza, what is Argentina, what is the whole vibe of the of the wines of Argentina. I think you will find that, again, it is an arid region. It's very dry. It's just desert. So picture beautiful sunsets, picture, visualize yourself by a bonfire, uh, visualize cuddling next to a fireplace and having a really beautiful glass of a red Cabernet Sauvignon or a Malbec, whatever you're more interested in. Definitely, it's a place for you to try some really beautiful bold reds and definitely try them with your with your honeys. I know one thing that we did together as a couple is we did a empanada making activity. So we did mm -hmm. do a little cooking class together. That's really fun something to do as a couple another thing that I think we um, also enjoyed was you know, walking through the little towns and doing a little bit of shopping through the small towns I know that we bought some really beautiful art pieces that we brought back to Houston it's just a really gorgeous amazing place to head to so so, Definitely recommended. And again, yes. on my blog, I will be sharing some names of some places that we visited, where we stayed, and you know, where, what hotel we stayed in, right. and all those. And also, wines. in in Mendoza, get a wine tour guide. Mm. It's a it's a little more challenging. It's not like Napa, where they're all the wineries are stacked right next to each other down Highway 29 or Oakville Road mm -hmm. between the Vaca Mountains and the Mayacama Mountains. So. And it's you can just, you can just go on a on a wine blitz, wine drinking blitz out there in Mendoza. It's <laughs> yes, it's, hire uh, drivers, guys. Not a hire driver, but hire <laughs> no. hire a local wine uh, sommelier or somebody that has some certifications uh -huh. in wine and let them take you to the best stuff. It's really worth it because you can come across some stuff that's simple wines in, or inferior quality wines, so that way you don't waste your time doing. So let's, really good tip. so let's stay let's stay in the same northern hemisphere and let's move back up real quick. Okay, where do you want to go next? Let's go back to Oregon because I also think that Oregon is also underrated with Willamette Valley. Okay. And what I what we liked about Willamette Valley is that it's doesn't have the corporate boardroom feel of its southern neighbor in Napa. A lot of mom and pop operations out there. We had some really cool stories and experiences by talking to the winemakers or or the vineyard owners, mm -hmm. and they make phenomenal Pinot Noir out oh, there. Very favorite, fresh, fruity, easy to drink wines. Beautiful colors, red fruit characteristics. They have some earthy notes in it, some you know forest floor, and so it's it's just it's one of those wines that just goes 
goes down real easily and they do it the best there. They do it, in my opinion, mm-hmm. better than they do it in Sonoma County because that's what they do. That's, that's, that's what their industry and that's what their climate is attuned to and driven uh, towards. And you simply find a Portland and you can drive down to Newburgh. It's 45 minutes. There's a bougie hotel called the Allison Inn. It's, oh, I love that place. It's not that expensive. It's about 250 a night. Mm-hmm. And then from, from there, you can just venture off all over Willamette. And they do private wine tour guides out there. We've had some friends that after we've recommended, they've gone out there, they've checked it out. And private wine tour guides, it's, it's a little challenging. But, you know, it's a little, mm-hmm. it's not like Napa. It's more like that Mendoza, except it's a lot more green than desert. And hit, you know, get a wine tour guy, let them take you to all the wineries and, you know, just have that. And the good thing about Pinot Noir is that they're not high in alcohol. They're medium alcohol. So you can have a little bit more there than you can have in Napa or in Mendoza. And then you don't, you know, you don't get completely sloshed or smashed. <laughs> smashed. Right. You know, Oregon to me, I think is one of those places that I will just go back to a thousand times because yeah. I just loved it so much. And I want to set the stage for how it is out in the countryside, out in the wine country area. We'll love it. Um, it's wet. Right. It's a little chilly. Yes. Uh, even in May and September, October, we were there in yeah. some really um, good weather. It wasn't it was in, in the summertime, but it doesn't get hot. It gets very mild. Very, it's a very cool temperature. A cool so definitely climate. a great right. place to cozy up right. with someone with a really beautiful Pinot Noir. Um, you know, make sure you pack your umbrellas, make sure you pack your raincoats. It does rain. But once the rain is gone, the sun shines so beautifully in those vineyards, the perfect moment for a gorgeous photo with your loved one. I mean, that is just the perfect place for it. Um, The hotels, the bread and breakfast in that side of the world and that side of of the country are just so beautiful, so quaint, so romantic. They bring you breakfast to bed. I mean, it's just one of the most amazing little places that I think we've ever discovered as a couple. It is. And, uh, it's amazing out there. It's beautiful. And then while we're in that in that northwest part of the country, we could talk a little bit about Washington, but Washington is really just a cooler version of Napa Valley. They produce very similar varietals. It's it's nice out there, but if you're going to choose between the two, I would probably choose Oregon. I even, I even go back to Napa over Washington. But there is one other hidden gem that I actually, or at least I haven't been to yet, but I've read quite a bit about. It's north of Washington in British Columbia called the Okanagan Valley. Oh, yes. I've heard of and, it. And just like in Washington, they produce a lot of Bordeaux blends of Cabernet Sauvignon and Merlot and, and uh, Malbec. And I'm yeah. sorry, not Malbec, Cabernet Franc. And it's a flight to Vancouver and it's about a 90 minute drive for Vancouver and you get, you can ski in, in the same day and you can have, you can go to a winery. They're, they're open almost all the time. And from what I have read and I haven't experienced it, but what I've read, they're extremely welcoming to visitors. Oh, so a lot of awesome. things that you don't get like in Napa mm-hmm. or sometimes you come into a winery and it lives up to that stereotype of being a little bit snobbish or a little bit of elitist. Mm-hmm. You know, they kind of want people that, kind of know about the industry but you don't always get that but sometimes you do yeah, so you want to course. avoid those wineries because most people are going there just to have a good find and to have the experience try some good wines but don't necessarily have the you know the body of knowledge or the background right. to it and that's not the case in Okanagan Valley from what I've read there, okay 
We're they, going they there have, next. You've already convinced me. They have the Canadian nice <laughs> mentality, and it seems to persist there. And you know what? I think it's a really good I, a thing that you brought up right now is when you go to Napa, make sure that you set up appointments for tastings. Yeah. They used to be easier to get into a tasting, but right. if you know of a wine that you really um, enjoy, you've got to call those wineries beforehand, and you've got to call them at least two to three weeks ahead of time because they book very, very fast. Right. Um and, you know, they, they're also very picky on how many people they take at a time. I know when we were in Oregon and we went to Washington, they wouldn't take more than six or they wouldn't take right. more than seven. Right. So always yes. call ahead of time wherever you're wanting to go for these wine country book, tours. Book the tour mm-hmm. of one or two wineries. Get the kind of get a feel of how they make the wine and how they're different from other ABAs, American Viticultural Areas. And one makes them different. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to know a lot about wine, but you can, you know, you kind of want to you want to have a kind of a balance and understanding of what you're drinking. Too. That's the way I see it. Love and it. the same thing in Oregon, book ahead of time. If you guys want some details on which wineries or where, where to stay or some restaurants. Yeah. We're going to be posting that on the blog. So definitely we're going to be tagging right. that link immediately right. after this. We haven't been to Chile, but Chile is somewhat similar to Argentina. They do have a wider varietal of grapes out there and it's a little bit more developed than it is in Argentina. The climate is about the same and the quality is fantastic. It's if you want to, that whole Andes mountain of Central South America makes some really good stuff and really, and the the romantic part is actually in the Alta uh, Atacamara Desert. I'm not sure if I'm saying that right. And it's north in the um, Elqui Valley. And that's one of the most romantic places you can get in Chile. It's You're completely isolated. It's in a desert. Mm-hmm. You have the Andes Mountains, the foothills of the Andes Mountains mm-hmm. in the in the background, in the foreground. And you can try some fantastic Cabernet Sauvignons. They make some great Merlots. They're known for their Carmineris, which are very peppery, green bell pepper, uh, spicy wines. Some people can't stand them, and some people just love them you know, to death. It's one of yeah. those. You like it or you hate it. Gosh. Okay. Two two places we got to put on our list, hon. <laughs> All right. So let's move on to another place that we found so romantic. And a lot of people already know that this place is super romantic, but I don't know if they know how it can be just such a great place for couples. And this is Tuscany yep. in Italy. Yep. And we were there in the year 2005. We yep. went back a year ago, but we were not in this area. We, we were not in this particular we were foreign, area. But we didn't we were, visit the exactly. So... It was such a beautiful experience. It was just such an amazing place for us to visit. Um, I remember, you know, being just mesmerized by the fact that almost every house that we passed as we went through and we traveled through train had a little vineyard in their own little backyard, which is amazing. I mean, it's yep. like if everybody here had a vineyard in their backyard, it's such a cool idea, a concept that I don't, I don't think I've ever seen anywhere else. Right. But Italy, a gorgeous place for history. Yep. They do go through and give you tastings of their olive oils, of their breads, a lot of focaccia bread. I mean, I remember like feeling just in heaven when I was in Tuscany, Italy. So tell us a little bit about what kind of wine we might be able to taste when we're there. So they always, it it is said, somebody said it, and I remember reading it somewhere, is in the idealistic country is a combination of English law, German order, French food, and the Italian love. 
it. Italian love, this is the mm-hmm. epicenter of romanticism, is Italy. And I think the epicenter of the epicenter is in Tuscany, which is central Italy, mm-hmm. right around the Florence area. It is some of the most beautiful geographical terrain. It's rolling hills. Uh, of nothing but acres and acres of greenery everywhere. And Italy is just one gigantic vineyard from Sicily, even though Sicilians don't consider themselves Italians, all the way up to the Austrian or Swiss border. It's wineries absolutely everywhere. It's, yeah. it's some of the best stuff. So what you can find in Tuscany is Chianti. Mm-hmm. That famous Chianti, which is made by the Sangiovese grape. And then if you want to take it one step further, mm-hmm. you look for Brunello di Montalcino, mm-hmm. which is mm-hmm. a aged uh, uh, Sangiovese grape, mm-hmm. minimum of three years, up to five years, but they can age for 10 or 15 years. It's mm-hmm. some of the best wines you'll probably try. That's the, the wine the that I will smell and yes. will, it will transport me back right. to Italy. We actually have a three liter bottle of a Brunello. Oh my gosh. We, it's been in our deal for about 10 years now and Eww, we still haven't opened it yet. Oh my God. It's, it's, of course, Italy is, is romantic in itself. Florence, one of the most romantic capitals, or, I'm sorry, romantic cities in the world. And there's not really a wrong or right place to stay in the Tuscany area. It's all about what you want to try. And in Tuscany, if you want to hit the Chianti area, you kind of head north of uh, Tuscany. If you want to hit more of the Brunello or the Montepulciano di Abruzzo, you head to the south of Tuscany. And they have a version called Super Tuscans, which are French bridles like Cabernet Sauvignon and Merlot that are blended in Italy with their style and their techniques. It's all it's all fantastic wine. It, Italian wine speaks for itself. I don't really have don't, to say much more. I don't know that I've ever had a bad Italian wine. Like yeah. I just I'm in love with it. Right. Even so, the, even the table wines. You know, let me just re- recommend something that I I felt like was really a great experience. Is when you go with your with your couple, and when you go with friends, even when you go with friends, ask the wineries to set up tastings for you with, that include cheese. Because they also have a really beautiful production of cheese. Have them set up tastings with their meats. Um, they have really great meats that they will pair with wines. For example, prosciutto, parma, um, all the different hams that they that they curate. The cuisine will be just something at another level. Um, so, yeah, those are really great ways for you also to learn about the region, about the wine, and about the food. They create these pairings for you. You just have to kind of let them know ahead of time that you're coming and that you're going to want to enjoy some pairings or some tastings. And uh, they prepare all of that because they have different processes, I guess, for their hams. Fabulous and classy are raging at the moment. Do you need a touch-up? Does your closet need an update? Or are you feeling a bit out of touch with the decades trends? Just shoot me a DM at think underscore chick and we'll plan out the perfect fashion strategy for you. Prosciutto, Parma, um... All the different hams that they that they curate, the cuisine will be just something at another level. Um, so, yeah, those are really great ways for you also to learn about the region, about the wine and about the food. They create these pairings for you. You just have to kind of let them know ahead of time that you're coming and that you're going to want to enjoy some pairings or some tastings. And uh, they prepare all of that because they have different processes, I guess, for their hams, for their cheeses, for their olive oils. And they're very proud of 
of what they do. They're very proud of what they create and what they make there. So Italy, Tuscany doesn't require a lot of planning. You, you, you can get to Florence. You can obviously go to Rome or Milan. You can make your way down to Florence, however you want to get there. Uh, you simply just plant yourself. And you just kind of venture off on your own. I wouldn't necessarily recommend a tour guide. You can't really go wrong. It's some of the best wines in the world. So it's it's not anything you necessarily have to plan. Like we had mentioned about Oregon or Napa or some mm-hmm. other regions. You kind of should book ahead of time so you don't have to stand in line. That, yeah. You don't get any of that Americanization out there. Mm-hmm. Which also means that sometimes they ignore you for, for a long time. Yes, right. They, they do ignore you. That's, I mean, just like be prepared that they're not right. going to service you like American service. This is the Southern Mediterranean <laughs> culture. This is a lot of siesta mentality. Yeah. You know, they, they wake up at 10 a.m., go to sleep at 1 p.m., 1, 1 a.m. in the morning. There's dinners at 9 p.m. That's just the way it is in Europe. That's the way it is in the Southern economies. And that's just, but that's that's why you travel, right? You want to, you don't want to experience things what you like. You don't you want what you have at home. Yeah. You want some, you want to do something different. Yeah, but I think a lot of people, when they travel, they're expecting right. it to be like they're used to. Yeah. And it's something you have yeah. to really get through your head that where you're going, it is not going to be yes. like you have it here. It is really very different. And so the sooner you learn that, the sooner you adapt to that, the more you're going to enjoy right. the country you're in. Understand their customs. Yep. They don't have to necessarily be your customs. Right. Um, but be prepared for those things. And if, like, you know, you're, like, super anal about times, then clear it ahead with somebody or clear it ahead with the winery right. and just ask them what their process yeah. is because you know some people are very picky yeah, about I'm that one, I'm one of those types I'm yeah. very structured my time I like to be on time but that's just not how things work and out there in southern Europe a little bit better in northern Europe but anywhere in Europe they don't really are as scheduled or organized as they are here in the mm-hmm. states and they don't care and yeah, they don't they have go, to yeah. because everywhere else from the developed mm-hmm. world they come to visit Europe they don't have to try hard their their geography their quality of life their food their wine their just the whole ambiance just kind of speaks for itself so they, yeah. don't, they don't they don't really have to customize anything yeah they don't have to make it bougie for us, but bougie for us. basic is what you're saying so, so before we get to Portugal goal let's just move a little bit we've been to Croatia yeah so that's what I wanted to talk about there's a few honorable mentions that I wanted to just jump in with Um, and I think Croatia is one of those places that I think we were very pleasantly surprised that it has beautiful romanticism gorgeous locations but also amazing wine Yes, they, it is It is actually underrated in terms of its quality of wine. And to the Croatians, they believe that Italians got their wine from Croatia. They ah, were there first, yeah, that's right. right. They did tell us that. They do, make a, they do make an arguable case for it because the wine supposedly started in Romania or in eastern Turkey and made its way through through Europe. So yeah. Croatia was on the map first before the Romans were as the Greeks kind of made their way up through the Adriatic Peninsula down into the... Italian Peninsula. So Italians are not really, I'm sorry, excuse me, Croatians are not really known for their reds. They're really known for their whites. Some very patio pounder white wines, very high acidic. Okay, tell us what's a patio pounder. Patio pounder is a white wine that just goes down easy on a, you know, a on warm, a beautiful spring day. On a beautiful spring day. Can I have one of those next to a pool and just chill? Absolutely. That's Yay. exactly what it's for. It's my kind. So it's a patio pounder and it's just, it's not a, it's not an intense wine like a Chardonnay from Chablis or Chardonnay from Napa. It's a it's a it's a wine that goes down really easily, and they make they're good for their Zinfandels, Primitivos, and that's what they specialize in. 
Do you know that I could not stand Zinfandel before I went to Croatia? I think that I had probably tried California Zinfandel that was very sweet. Right. Not something I ever really, because I'm not a big sweet. Right. Well, they make, they make, they make Zinfandel in, in Lodi in California, and it's um, underrated as well because they do also make it in off-dry and medium-sweet versions, mm-hmm. and I think that's what throws people off, but they do have a dry version, and it's actually pretty good. An, another have, suggestion for romantics and right. people who want to travel to Croatia with their yes. loved ones, take a really beautiful walk, scenic walk through Dubrovnik. Yes. Yeah. yeah, and some of the smaller um, towns. Yeah. Uh, it's all along the Dalmatian coast. It is coast. all along the coast. It's and so just little right. walks. Puglia, Split, Hraj, uh, and Dubrovnik, and there's some few other ones. It's a good seven to 10 day kind of trip in Croatia because it's just, it's amazing. It was Rome before it was Rome, before the Italians had made their heyday. It's extremely romantic. And you have all the beautiful restaurants on the Adriatic Sea overlooking the, the water. And the wine is phenomenal. It goes with all of the authentic their cheeses. Their, their cheeses, cheeses right. were, I think, something I could not get enough of. Everywhere I right. went, I asked for the Croatian cheese because right. it was just so, so good. Wow. I don't know how much time we have left, but just wanted to mention also Central Turkey. Yes. In, in Cappadocia, yes. in the Anatoly region of central Turkey. It's, they have very indigenous varietals. Another place people don't know that you can go to for wine and and romantic destinations. Destinations. The Greeks were there back 2000 years ago. They kind of developed the area and then the Turks eventually took over in the mid 15th century and they continue the wine trade. And today it's, it's up and coming. It's still developing, but uh, they make some beautiful, beautiful, full-body white wines mm. in Turkey. And it's complete opposite of what they do in Croatia because it's a dry climate. It doesn't have that Mediterranean influence on the wine. Mm-hmm. And so you can get some some luscious, uh, you know, tertiary flavors of honey and, and uh, oak and in those Turkish wines. So if you look for the big, bold wines, Cappadocia in the Alatoya region, and you can stay in a cave hotel, which is okay, I was just going to mention which that. It's extremely romantic. So and, let me set the stage for these people that need right. to come to Cappadocia, Turkey. I've got, I am, if anything, I'm going to get all of you guys there because you will just be so mesmerized by the beauty of this place. It is, if you picture in the photos, I know a lot of people see these photos because they're everywhere. The big hot air balloons that are, there's maybe a hundred hot air balloons that are up in the, in the sky at the same time. That's where they're there. The, the epicenter for this particular activity is in Cappadocia in Turkey. And you get up at four o'clock in the morning because you have, you do go up at sun, sunrise. Right. And uh, it's just the most beautiful romantic thing you can do with somebody and just go up on that hot air balloon. If you are scared of heights, <laughs> uh, prepare yourself for it, right, Russ? Yes. Uh, prepare yeah. yourself for it because it I is pretty scary. Yes. You go up pretty high, but it can be very, very romantic right. and beautiful. And the other thing is going and visiting the, the underground wine uh, cellars. Because this is, these are super unique, super special, very different. You know, they're, of course, you know, everybody else has like an underground cellar. I know I've seen them a hundred times, but they're very di- different and very unique in, um, right. in Turkey. They are. It's, it's amazing. It's, it's definitely one of those hidden wine regions of the world. And by the way, even though it's 
Is it a Muslim country? It is a Muslim country. Okay. Wine is prevalent. It's not like you can't drink wine in Turkey, even though it is a Muslim country. It's not as restrictive as it is in some of the Gulf Coast countries or necessarily in Iran. But even in Iran, you can find alcohol. So it's not... You know, that's a, that's a different that's a different topic. So let's mm-hmm. just move a little bit to the back to the east real quick. Uh, quick pick stop in South France in the Nice Marseille area ah. in Aix de Provence. So yeah, we were there what for, two years ago. For all of you rosé all day folks out there, <laughs> the ones who want to sit by a pool on a beach. And why are you looking at me when you say that? Because you're one of. <laughs> You're one of them, and just about everybody I know has never rejected a rosé. It's one of those wines where you don't like red, but you don't like white. Rosé's kind of been between, right? but I just started liking rosé when you started picking them out for me. Not when I was buying them on my own. Now you kind of, like, guided me through, like, the better selections of rosés. That's that's why we're talking about it. Yeah, and I'm going to be sharing some of those rosés on my blog, too. So the Provence in southern France in the Nice Marseille area is the epicenter of some of the best rosés on the planet. Mm -hmm. They do it well. That's what they specialize in. That's how they market it. And they, not to get too technical, but they specialize in a Grenache grape, which is conducive to making a good rosé. It has enough of the skin color to get that kind of reddish look that you look, that pinkish look that you're looking for mm-hmm. without, you know, actually going red. And it still goes down easy. So you get that sexy look in the in the glass, mm-hmm. but then you also get the flavor of a lighter rosé. It's uh, it's kind of a little bit hard to get to, you know. It's on the southern part of France, so you gotta you gotta fly, probably fly to Paris or to Lyon or to Bordeaux, and then make your way over there. You can fly into Nice if you want, or you can just take a train ride from Paris. But and the wine region, no, I'm sorry, the wine producers are kind of scattered. So unless you do your research ahead of time in Provence. It's probably best to find a wine tour guide to take you there because it is difficult to find your way around. You know, the French, they don't all oh, speak no, English. And they, they don't, don't like it. English, and they right? don't like it when you right. ask for directions. That's, that's, that's the truth. Right. I've done that a few right. times. Of course, there's a lot of regions in France we can talk about, but time's limited. There's Bordeaux, and there's Burgundy, and there's Leroy Valley, and Alsace. We're not going to get on to all that. We can, no, but, but, but yeah. But if you guys are interested in, in talking about those regions, we'd be glad to elaborate. Yeah. But in terms of a lesser known, less romantic region, uh, more romantic region is in Portugal, in the in the Douro Valley. Oh, my God. I was really surprised by this because I I knew that they had a, a wine industry in Portugal. However, when we did do the drive and we were there in 2017, mm-hmm. wow, it is Gorgeous, yes. and it's a must must visit for romantics. It's it beautiful. The landscape is lush. It is warm. It's not cold. It's not gloomy. It's right. not arid. It is warm. It's lush. Um, picture a lot of uh, right. a lot of greenery. Um, you, you want you hills. Right. Oh. What you're looking for is it is spelled D. O-U-R-O, not to be confused with D-U-E-R-O in Spain. Mm, Very different wine region, very different grape varietals, and very different geography. Mm -hmm. The Duero region in Spain is very arid. This is very lush, like Alicia had said, and they make some of the best vino verdes. Uh, oh my gosh! On the planet, I'm obsessed Actually, with those. Actually, no one wants to make the Vino Verdes, but they're a great varietal. Is the Tortuga Nationale, which is similar to some in France, but we're not going to get. You don't need to know all that. But mm-hmm. if you're going to go to Portugal, you go, you fly into Lisbon, you do your thing in Lisbon, and move your way up to Porto. Mm-hmm. 
course, Portugal is known for port. Yeah. For all of you that love, you know, the sweet wines, the fortified stuff. Uh, There's amazing tastings. Again, going huge, back to the romantic getaway. Yes. That's, find right. different restaurants do the most amazing pork yes. tastings, and they pair it with a beautiful piece of meat, right. a beautiful pasta. I mean, you will just be. Mostly dessert. Yeah. yeah. In, in the most amazing I think environment right. ever to try port, to try right. wine. They also do a lot of really great pairings. Well, what you don't know is yeah, Portugal with desserts, port, you're right, yeah. What you don't know about Portugal is the their white wines. And you have to hit the Douro River and do a tour out there or maybe even stay in a little resort, little bread and breakfast, amazing scenery on the river, in a valley, it's all green everywhere, and some of the right. best white wines, more patio pounder stuff. Oh my gosh! Very, very cool. Oh, all right. I need to go back there too. There are some more. Uh, there are some more up and coming regions. Australia, New Zealand are, and South Africa is definitely up and coming. Mm-hmm. They're really trying to produce uh, better quality wines. The techniques are coming along. We haven't been to any of them. We are heading to South Africa in July. Mm-hmm. That's our my birthday present. Trip. Yeah, mm-hmm. birthday trip. present, like every year. And <laughs> he is, uh, we can we'll report back on that. South Africa has is very underrated. They make some amazing blends of different Bordeaux grape varietals. They have also Pinot Noir. They have Chenin Blanc. So. And it's in, mostly in Swartland, and you can do another region called Constancia. They're all along the South Asian, I'm sorry, South Indian Ocean coast, or you know, right along the Atlantic. And it's it's I'm, in terms of romanticism, it's a different kind of romanticism. Right. It's 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 with animals. When you think of when you think of, uh, you yeah. think of South Africa, you think of safari. Yeah. And you think of lions and giraffes and Well, we'll gazelles. report back and see how romantic it is. It is. So you'll you can always, you know, try the wine while you're looking at a giraffe. <laughs> That's what I'm looking forward to doing. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Oh my gosh, you are too much. Guys, I hope you really got some really good information and a little education in terms of wine, regions, romantic places to visit. If you and your loved one are interested in traveling and wine, these are some of the best places you can hit up. Obviously, there's tons more, but these are the places we've been to and that we really enjoyed. I think one of the takeaways that you must, must always remember is always go prepared. Always check in with the places you want to visit ahead of time, especially now through COVID. You want to make sure that, you know, you you can hit those places, find them easily. Some of them are hidden. So make sure you've got a very good GPS system with you. Make sure that you have all of your prep going. If you hire a driver because you don't feel comfortable driving, make sure you get all of that set up ahead of time because you do not want to miss these places. And, you know, 2021 and moving forward, it's going to be about experiences. I think a lot of people notice that, you know, they had not done a lot of things. And last year really gave a perspective on, you know what, we have not done some of the things that we wanted to do and and the time is now. So head out, get that going. And I will send you guys positive vibes all day every day go out there and kick ass thank you to my amazing guest who's always here and he always brings it and you guys i cannot wait for you guys to share this with your friends tell me what you think give me some feedback i would love to hear from you guys thank you see you guys next time 